He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Hi. Hi, everybody. Happy pre-Christmas. This is Dick Morris. Uh, my sidekick, Doug Shapiro, is doing something really interesting. He's down at Mar-a-Lago right now repairing the murals that Trump has there and uh, doing artwork for him. And that's really Hello, cool. Dick. How are you? Hi, Doug. How are you? You're calling from Mar-a-Lago. Uh, you miss, you right? miss me? <laughs> yeah. If the president walks by, put him on. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I want to talk first about uh, about something that happened last month that um, my friend Judith from Brooklyn brought to my attention in an email. Uh, President Trump uh, was critical of American Jews, saying that they were not supportive of Israel and saying that they would that they were not uh, they didn't keep Israeli interests in their mind. So I uh, hit it, Diego. Is this the Israeli music? So you at yeah, that's uh, well, that's Exodus does. Uh, for those of us who go to movies, that that was popular about a hundred years ago when you were born. Yeah, so like but, three uh, people know what that is right about now. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's Exodus, yeah. It's a theme for <laughs> So um, the the accusation that Jews are not sufficiently supportive of Israel is absolutely accurate. I couldn't agree with Trump more. It is outrageous that Jews keep voting for these people that oppose Israel, want Israel to die, uh, put the priorities of the ultra-left ahead of the right. of this wonderful democracy, and uh, are themselves, even if they're Jewish, uh, a little anti-Semitic. And uh, I can't stand that. It's unbelievable. Yeah, uh, I agree. He's exactly right for calling him out. But let me spend a moment about the history of why Jews vote Republican, or Jews vote Democrat, and why they, they're running out on Israel. It has its root in Israeli politics, not in American politics. Right. Israel was founded by a group of Ashkenazi Jews. There are two kinds of Jews, Ashkenazi and Sephardic. Ashkenazi right. are descended from one of the lost tribes, and they, um, they lived in Eastern Europe. And Sephardics are descended from another, and they come from the Middle East and the Arab world. And uh, originally, Israel was founded by... Polish and German and Russian Jews who fled the Holocaust and moved to Israel. And their political leaders were Ben-Gurion and Golda Meir, the president of Israel, who, by the way, my mother, Terry Morris, was a biography of, uh, called Shalom Golda. But oh, really? uh, they ran Israel until about 1970. And in the 70s, the Sephardic population acquired a majority of the Jewish vote in Israel. And they were very different from the Ashkenazi Jews. The Ashkenazi Jews were socialists. They came from Russia and Poland and Germany, where they were most many of the members of the Communist Party, because in Russia in those days, he could either be a czarist or a communist. 
There was sort of nothing in between. And anyone who wanted any change at all, uh, the only way to do it was the Communist Party. So they carried their leftist socialism into Israel. And the ah. uh, Sephardics had no such concern. They were uh, very strongly pro-Israel, uh, were right in the center of the Israeli-Arab War, and wanted to support Israel with everything they had. And uh, eventually, the Sephardics won, and Begun, Menachem Begin, was their, was their prime minister, and now uh-huh. Netanyahu is. And because they're anti-socialist, pro-capitalist, and strongly pro-American, they've alienated the reformed Jews in the U.S. Jews are divided into reform on the one hand and conservative orthodox on the other. And for most part, the conservative Orthodox have stayed loyal to Israel and are probably more Republican. The reformers, on the other hand, are very Democrat and socialist and basically uh, increasingly anti-Israel. And the political fluctuations in Israel are mirrored in those in American politics. Now, Netanyahu has the, uh, the, the Netanyahu and his followers and those who split off from him but still essentially with him uh, are the majority now. And uh, that causes an alienation with American Jews. Right. Nothing to do with the fundamental issue, which is this is the, a struggling democracy, totally dependent on the United States for aid and for military support. And, uh, and to diss it and treat it like it's another country, Ethiopia or something, and not have any loyalty to it if you're Jewish, and saying, oh, I'm completely you know, non-Zionist, I'm not biased toward Israel. It's well, hold on, Dick. People who have Dick. struggled for a homeland. So you're Jewish, you grew up Jewish. So how did you feel about growing up and, and your friends, you know? Well, I was strongly pro-Israel, and my parents were. As I said, my mom wrote a biography of gold in my ear. And when I was growing up, this split was not evident because the Ashkenazis were in charge in Israel, and everybody was happy. It was sort of a socialist paradise. And uh, people talked about um, kibbutzes, which were basically collectives, collective farms, uh, and kids would love to go to Israel and work on them for the summer. And basically— Then the Sephardics took over, and it changed. So basically, Trump. Explain again what Trump said that people are starting to call him a Zionist. American Jews were not sufficiently supportive of Israel, and they constantly right. vote for anti-Israel candidates, which is Democrats true. And don't support those who are pro-Israel like him. Right. I thought he was exactly right. Yes. You didn't agree. Judith, if you're listening, call in so we can talk. Uh, Diego, anybody calling? Uh, Right now we have um, Teddy calling from Forest Hills. Okay, let's have it. Hi. Oh, hi. Hi, uh, Morris, uh, Mr. Morris. Yes, I want the United States to do what's good for the United States. How can we have our political leaders do what's good for the United States and also for Israel? Without Israel, we wouldn't have the Bible. Yeah, and they're not contradictory. Uh, Israel is our strongest ally in the world, our only ally, our only real ally in the Middle East, and uh, and they're a wealthy, productive, increasingly powerful nation. And 
their high technology is an essential ingredient in our technology. Um, we learn a lot from the Israelis. So let me go to um, the next topic I want to talk about, which will affect everybody who's listening. If you have a 401k and you put your money in it, please pay attention to this. But first, let me condition you to what Biden is going to do to your life savings. Hit it, Diego. Trailer falls, sailor rent. <laughs> Rooms to let 50 cents. That's Dean Martin. No phone, no food, no pets. Ain't got no cigarettes, but <laughs> two hours of pushing broom by the eight to twelve for bedroom. I'm a man of means by no means. King of the road. Beautiful. Well, nice. I bet you thought you were not a man and woman. I bet you thought you were a man and woman it means, but you put him in a 401k, and that is now a disaster. Uh, this is not a commercial message. Uh, if you got money in a 401k, uh, listen hard to this. Under Trump, the question arose of where should the managers of 401ks invest their money? And Trump said emphatically, it should be where you can make the highest return. And the left said, no, it should be where you can do the most social good. And he emphatically rejected that. Now Biden's Department of Labor is reversing the Trump order and saying that fund managers have to listen to the needs of the ESG movement, uh, environment, social issues, and governance issues movement which is a far-left group that wants to invest money only in causes that promote fighting climate change. They want only union oh, come on. To the money. They, uh, they want environmental groups to get it. They want uh, Black Lives Matter and other social protests oh, to get the investment. Um, they basically want to make the investment community of the capitalist world the financial engine of the left in the world. And uh, Biden is about to issue a regulation by the Department of Labor requiring that fund managers take ESG into account, not just profitability, in making their investment decisions. This has a strong similarity to what the radical Muslims are doing in Sharia law. Uh, when they take over a country, uh, a country's sovereign wealth fund that all these Arab countries have, they adopt rules that say the sovereign wealth fund, which runs into the billions or even trillions, has to be invested according to the dictates of Sharia law. They can invest ah. in port companies. They can invest in pornography. Uh, it has to be for Sharia law stuff. And uh, that's really what the left is trying to do now. And they're trying to take all of our savings and say the most important thing is what is the social consequence of that investment. And always invariably it ends up uh, animating the agenda of the left. Dick, now, one this second. Is going to go effect at the end of January. Congress could overrule it if it got its act together, but I doubt the Democrats in the Senate will let that happen. We have to push for them to do it and certainly get in touch with any moderates in the Senate. That so, are what, 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 Dick, what is the benefit on the left to do this? What is their uh, motive? Social movement. They want to take the trillions of dollars that's invested now 
in various investment funds, including 401ks and mutual funds and everything else. And yeah. require that instead of making money from it, you use it for what they call good causes. Now, oh, I got it. Legislation oh. only affects 401k, but they're oh. going to move it to everything. It's going to be a requirement eventually for all mutual funds. And uh, so what do you do? What do you invest in? Well, oh, I have a conflict of interest here because I'm a spokesman for Patriot Gold, but it would be a good idea to find investment vehicles that are not captured by the extreme left. Some of the opponents of the SG say it stands for expect smaller gains. <laughs> I think that that's true. It's not funny, but it's funny. Yep. Well, let's go to a break, Diego. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Hey, Diego. How are you doing? Any Anybody calling in? Oh, yeah, we have uh, so many people calling in. Uh, next, we're going to go to Judith, Judith from Brooklyn. Judith! How are you doing? Hi, Good Hi. good afternoon, guys. Um, I checked Hi, in five minutes. Hi, guys. Dick and Doug. I checked in a little bit late. I did not hear your opening. All I heard when I opened the room was that Judith should call in. <laughs> I heard okay. Judith call well, in, so uh, I, don't call I, in. I said the same things on the air that I said in my email to you. Um, you had written saying that, uh, quoting an article in the Washington Post from a speech Trump gave in October, uh, saying that he said the Jews are not sufficiently supportive of Israel, and they keep voting for anti-Israel candidates and withhold their support from him and other pro-Israel candidates. And you were concerned about that, and I wrote back and I said, Trump is absolutely right. It's a disgrace that Jews do nothing in their votes and political activity to defend Israel. And then I talked a bit about the history of that, which is the conflict between the European-based Ashkenazi Jews and the Arab-based Sephardic Jews. And the Sephardics are more radical and more more uh, vigorous and uh, in their defense of Israel, and uh, that they've taken over. They're, they're leaders in Netanyahu now. So okay. um, wow. I wanted to give you a chance to comment. Okay, great. But you know what? I have a bunch of things I could say. I don't know if I'm going to go to hard, hard, hard break or whatever. Before I get to that, let me just say he is not against the Constitution. He against the fraud, which the Constitution is yeah, against. Right. Is That's right. Biden, okay, so talk about your comment about Israel and Trump. Okay, but I just want to say this is very important now because that's big, big criticism. Never mind Jews. It's Constitution. The American Constitution is very important. Yeah, Biden collude, campaign colluded with the, the Twitter officials to suppress I, the truth. I, I and know this is Jews. major. I'm going to come to all that, but talk to me about the Israel comment. Okay, so here's the, here, the story with this is this, simply put. Here's a man, never mind what he did for the country in America, all these great things. But let's talk about the Jewish part, yes? He went bent over backwards, did so many risks. He did the Abram Accords. He gave them the Golan Heights, which is a strategic its a strategic uh, uh, a security place. He did so yes. many things. He closed down the PLO, not giving them a penny because they're paid to slay. I could go on and on. Bottom line, for all this at 2020, how do you think he should feel when he finds out approximately 75% of Jews did not vote for him? 
He probably yeah. doesn't feel very good about it. It makes no sense. And quite frankly, but I, I want to thank him personally for doing what he did. I thought you were critical of him in your tweet to me. No, I was just I, I was just wondering why he came out. I didn't. Someone, yeah. I tell you the truth, I got attacked myself because everyone knows I'm a Trump supporter. I'm a Trump supporter not because I love Trump. I'm a Trump supporter because of the actions that he's done, and actions speak louder than words. And as far as Kanye West is concerned, Kanye West is someone that came to him wanted to say that he wanted him on his ticket to run 2024. Trump tried to talk him out of it, and I got to tell you something. I'm gonna, I'm going to read something to you. And he said after that, he said. Kanye West is a troubled man. What does that mean? That means he does not agree with anything that Kanye West says or believes or whatever. And this is what he said at 219. This is President Trump. Quote, we must never ignore the vile poison of anti-Semitism or those who spread its venomous creed. And I believe he is one of the best presidents. He's not an anti-Semite. He doesn't love Nazis. He's a great guy, and he's been vilified and smeared and lied about for seven years, and it's about yep. time we stand up and say well, thank you, thanks, President Trump, thanks, for all the good you've done. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Thank you, Judith. Thank um, you so much. Can I say something, Dick? Can I say something, yeah. Dick? I'm down here with him quite a bit. He's, I, he stops and he talks to me about my work. Every time I see him, he's respectful, first of all, to me, but to everyone, to the workers, he says, are you guys all right? Do you need some food? Always, there is not a bit of mean, big shot person in this guy at all. He's just a gentleman and a nice person. And people, you know, that hate him just don't get it. And that's the bottom line. They believe in the media. So, so this week, uh, Musk is coming, has been coming out with the Twitter files. documenting the FBI's intervention in the 2020 election and documenting their efforts to suppress conservative views on Twitter. And he's now revealed a whole host of algorithmic tools to keep conservatives off Twitter and to give priority to liberal left-wing posts. Um, This has huge consequences, obviously, for high-tech. Right. It, it reinforces the demands of some very good men like Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, Hawley, Senator from Missouri, for better regulation of high tech. And I think that they get their exemption from antitrust from the government um, where they can. They, and the current rule, Section 203, 210, I forget, says that you that you may not sue. Uh, Twitter or any of these uh, social outlets for something a listener posts on their site. And uh, that was was a wise policy. It was good that the government did that. But they're using that to say you can't sue us for anything and you can't uh, complain about anything we do. And (laughs) that is being increasingly reined in, and I hope that that becomes a major issue in this new Congress. It's one in which we can pick up some democratic support, and I think we have a good chance of passing stuff. On the other hand, a lot of Republicans are getting a lot of money from uh, high tech. One of the big ones is Jim Jim Jordan, who I love, who's the chairman. And his loyalty uh, in the fight against Twitter and to force free speech is unfortunately suspect. Um, Yeah, that's fascism uh, at its best. Yeah, it is. It is. 
But there's a larger issue here that's going to come out in over the years. The FBI has become a political party in the United States. Mm. They have absolutely decided they're going to back the left. They're going to use all of the investigative tools, personnel, computers, mechanics, facilities that they have to put the right down and to make the left more electable. This all stems from the Obama administration. Right. I wrote a book on this with Eileen called The Rogue Spooks that gives you the whole background on this. Rogue, R-O-G-U-E, Spooks, S-B-O-O-K-S. It's well, they started with predicting that the dossier was phony and the Russia scandal is phony. But there's a whole lot of background there about how Obama took over the FBI and the CIA. Sure. He pointed sure. to when he... to run one and Brennan to run the other. And, and then uh, he went he he also went after James Rosen. Uh, yeah. He was just going after people that they shouldn't have been near. He did. And. The, but the point is that this this intervention in the FBI by Obama, where he fired all the conservatives, put right. very left-wing people, Clapper and Brennan, in charge, uh, is, I think, bigger than even the Watergate scandal. And I think you're going – in the hearings that the House is going to go through, we are going to be completely shocked and blown away at the extent to which the FBI has become – left-wing Gestapo. Uh, here, Diego. You talk too much, you worry me to death. You talk too much, you even worry my pet. You just talk, talk too much. This was an ad by the FBI <laughs> to, to all of WABC 77 talk listeners. You talk too much. <laughs> And we're going to make this attack on Twitter and everywhere we can. Uh, but uh, I believe that the, the metaphor for this really is the uh, church committee hearings in the 1970s by under Senator Frank Church of Democratic Idaho. <laughs> and he uncovered all of the FBI, all of the CIA's activities in uh, toppling foreign governments and subsidizing political parties in foreign countries, and becoming really uh, a subversive arm of the U.S. government. And wow. uh, at that point, there was no allegation of domestic involvement by the CIA, but it was all about what they were doing abroad, including assassinating foreign leaders. It's pretty clear that we assassinated Patrice Lumumba, the first president of a free African country in the post-colonial era, and we attempted to assassinate assassinate Allende, who was the uh, democratically elected left-wing president of Chile. And hmm. these were just outrageous, and the result of these exposés was a severe cutback in the power of the CIA, its budget and its funding. The same thing is about to happen to the FBI. For the same reason that Brennan and Clapper, I think Brennan mainly, fired everybody who wasn't leftist, the criterion for hiring somebody was not, uh, did you go to Harvard Law School? Were you, uh, be, to become a, I'm speaking now, they're also becoming a Justice Department lawyer. They cleaned out all of the conservatives, fired them all, and replaced them with ultra-left lawyers in the Justice Department and ultra-left uh, operatives in the FBI. 
And the result of that was the Russia scandal and now the FBI scandal. And Dick, Dick can I ask you a question? The FBI sky high. Yeah. Do you think there's any uh, legal ramifications against these guys, Clapper and the other guys? Oh, or yeah, no? absolutely. Absolutely. I wouldn't bet on Brendan staying out of jail. Oh, good. Except, you know, the mechanics of that are that it, when the Congress finds a violation, they refer it to the Justice Department. Oh, yeah, yeah right. Uh, we're going to have to resolve this at the next election, but Got uh, it. it's wonderful what's being exposed now. So when we come back, I want to talk to you about the Georgia runoffs, because there is total misinformation here that says the defeat was Trump's fault. And I want to give you the truth. Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's Priority PriorityGoldGuide.com. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle. The Democrats have one goal right now. Donald Trump from being their opponent in 2024. And for those who have any doubts that Trump would be our strongest candidate. Let the Democrats tell you what the answer is. They're doing everything they possibly can, legally, judicially, illegally, to stop Trump from winning. And one of the big things they're doing is spreading the false canard that the Georgia runoff defeat and the 22 defeats were Trump's fault. Uh, They were not. The exit polls that I've spent a long time going through show that when they asked voters in the Georgia runoff, was President Trump's endorsements a factor in your in your decision on how to vote? And half said it was, half said it wasn't. And of the half that said it was, half of those said it made them more likely to vote Republican, and half said it made them more likely to vote Democrat. So the idea right. that his endorsement was the polarizing factor in the election is absolutely wrong. It's just dead factually incorrect. On the other hand, in the same poll conducted by ABC News, they asked people, are you, how about Biden's support? And by contrast, 61% said that was a factor, only half said Trump was. And those who said it was a factor, they voted two to one for Walker rejecting Trump's, rejecting Biden's advice. But what came to on this poll more than anything else is that the issue of abortion was the dominant issue in this election. It absolutely dominated the environment in the runoff election. In really? And I suspect as we look through other, other runoff, other exit polls, we're going to see that all over the place. A lot of us thought that the abortion issue was sort of fading and quiescent and kind of dead the hell it was. It was the dominant issue in 2022. As any blame attaches to Trump, it was for appointing Supreme Court judges that were pro-life, 
but that was his position. That was our position. We voted for him. Right. And uh, they are really taking it out on him. Hit it, Diego. I am woman, hear me roar In numbers too big to ignore And I know too much to go back and pretend <laughs> Is that Helen Reddy? Uh, what was the one issue that was important to you? And uh, 37% of the Georgia voters said it was inflation, and they voted heavily for Walker. But 27%, right behind it, said it was abortion, and they voted mm. 88 to 12 for Warnock. And, wow, uh, Warlock. And, and, but, and when the race was essentially defined racially, and uh, of the of the white vote, uh, which Walker got twenty percent of the white vote, uh, but among the votes of college-educated white women, he um, among those Warnock got forty-one percent of those votes. So huh. Warnock basically had the votes of blacks and women who were focused on abortion. And it was, the, it was the defection of white women from the white candidate to vote for the black candidate that made this election what it did. It's unfortunate to use that terminology, but that's essentially the way the poll reads. And uh, the abortion issue dragged the Republican Party down, and it's continuing to. And uh, one of the great things in history was... In the 1980s, Ronald Reagan added social conservatism to the core Republican agenda. Originally, it was free market capitalism. Then under Truman and uh, Eisenhower, it became national security as well. Then Reagan added social conservatism, and Trump added economic nationalism, putting America first. But that social conservatism has come back to really haunt the Republican Party. And the interesting thing about it is now that the court has overruled Roe and turned it back over to the state, there is a real drop in militancy of the right wing on this issue. Uh, when, this, when this election was going on and abortion was the issue, the pro-life people were never heard from. They did not get money to their candidates. They didn't do ads. There were no independent expenditures. None of our guys had their flanks protected for their support of pro-life candidates. Uh, the pro-life movement just ran out and celebrated, had a great time, and then didn't do anything else. And huh. I believe that that signals that the pro-life movement will not crucify, pardon the pun, uh, a Republican for getting a little flexibility and wiggle room on this issue. So I believe that Republicans in the future should say clearly that in the first trimester, they, uh, they approve of allowing abortions. Ninety uh, percent of abortions are in the first trimester. And if women were assured that they could get abortions in the first trimester, uh, I think the abortion anti the, the pro-life, the pro-choice movement, sorry, would be really enfeebled uh, because people would 
women would realize that their rights to abortion are protected. I think it's yeah, very well, important that the right wing, that the Republicans, that the conservatives say that what we're talking about here is second and third trimester, and there they have a strong majority. We're talking. About, we're not talking about limiting the right to abortion in the first trimester. And well, the problem is on the right. Pro-life candidates run as independents or challenge you in the primary. Stay with that position because you can win it, and increasingly it's a majority of the conservative views. That's understandable, Dick. That's understandable. No, no. Well, who do we have on the phone, Diego? Doug DePiro. I oh, to sorry about that. I want next to on the second. phone. <laughs> next on can the you phone. Hear me? Is, yes, I can hear you. Uh, Brad from can, New Jersey. Can, good. Hey, Brad. I, I want to say something first. Hold on. Where, the Doug? problem, Dick. Dick, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. The problem with this uh, conservatives that are anti-abortion or whatnot, they don't want to give up even the first week. That's the problem that you're going to see with a lot of people that are pro-life. Yeah, you're right. They have what they call heartbeat bills, which is if you can yeah. have the heartbeat, which is usually yeah. the, fifth, the fourth week or the fifth week, you can't have an abortion. And right. I'm but sorry, if, but that is too extreme. That you're right. That goes beyond what American people are willing to tolerate. Right. You know, That's democracy, the problem. You can't simply, you can't take an absolute like, I uh, agree. like you're doing and apply it. I agree. With, I agree with you. If you do that, you're asking to be voted out of office. And right, right. I just wanted to mention it, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, okay. if your religious convictions are such, okay. But, uh, but you, and you should guide your personal life. But don't try to right. voice it on everybody else because right. you're just going to blow everything and you're going to turn right. this country over to Marxists. You're absolutely right. It was that purism that led to our losing the Georgia seat. Right. Any phone calls on that, Diego? Yeah, we got uh, Brad in New Jersey. Hi, Brad. Okay, uh, gentlemen, Mr. Morris, uh, Doogie, the problem with the Republican Party winning elections now is that the 65 Immigration Act, legal and illegal immigration, has rebuilt the hard left wing of the Democratic Party. You said, Walter, I mean, you said, Greg, you're wrong. A lot of people say that, but they're wrong. The Hispanic vote, most of those immigrants are, of course, Latino. The Hispanic vote is moving increasingly to the Republicans. And the Democrats are going to eat their hearts out when the election results of 24 come in. In 22, the Republicans increased their share of the Latino vote from about 30% to about 40%. And it's inevitable that very soon they're going to be a majority. And those folks coming into the United States come in legally or illegally. And uh, we should shut off illegal immigration as a matter of public policy. But don't think that that Hispanic vote is going Democrat. It's not. This is in your book, isn't it, Dick? It's in, you wrote this in your book, right? Yeah, in, in the return. Because basically before they're Latinos, they're patriots. They came right. to America because it's America. Uh, they came here because they saw 
economic and political freedom here, and they escaped their countries that they came from because there was not that freedom. And therefore, they have become strongly pro-freedom, pro-capitalism, anti-socialism. And that's why we're winning majorities now of people from Venezuela, Guatemala, uh, Mexico, where near a majority, uh, Cuba, and by the way, uh, Vietnam. Uh, In the Georgia runoff election, the Asian vote swung significantly to the Republican Party. But what Fred is saying is a common mistake that I think our people make, and it's just not right. It's not correct. Let's take a break here, Diego. He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump, and now he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Stuck in the middle with you. Uh, yep. The Congress, the Republicans in Congress, are now working with the Democrats to throw away the main piece of leverage we have to stop extra spending. A coalition has emerged from now until the end of this month, which is the last time, which is before the Republicans take over the House. A coalition of rhinos, about five or six of them, and Republicans who are retiring, lame ducks. And these lame ducks who do not have to face the voters again are suddenly flipping and voting with the Democrats and giving them enough votes in the Senate to to sustain a filibuster and pass their legislation. And what they're doing is giving away all leverage we would have in 2023 so that despite our legislative victory, it doesn't mean much because the budget will have been set in 2023, before 2023. And most outrageously of all, the Democrats, these rhino Republicans and these retiring Republicans are going to put together 60 votes in the Senate to postpone the raising of the debt limit, postpone the entire debt limit issue until the end of 2024. That's 2024 A.D. May I ask a question? uh, For 23 and 24. And there will never be a class where the Republicans say you've got to cut spending, you've got to reduce the deficit, otherwise we won't let you borrow more money. There's going to be no limit on the debt we can incur until the end of 2024, after the next election. Why would they want to do that, the Republicans? Because they want to sustain their spending. They want to, the Democrats are doing it because they want to sustain no, their spending and want that spending to continue. The Why do the rhinos do it? Six of them because they're rhinos. They're left-wing, they're Republicans in name only, like Mitt Romney. And they right. uh, and they, they they say they're Republicans because that's how you can get a look in Utah, but they're really Democrats in disguise. But aren't they retiring, embarrassed? Yeah, right. The retiring yeah, sure. Republicans are people who are there one of two reasons we don't know. Either they've been phonies their entire lives. 
He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. So, and sidekick to the said, South. I'm sorry, we, we were cut off. The, yeah. uh, the rhinos. Uh, you know them. They're a regular cast of characters. Mitt Romney and um, Toomey from Pennsylvania and um, a whole bunch of others who basically nobody told them they're Republicans. Uh, the, the Republicans who are defecting because they're retiring, because they're opportunists, and they no longer have to be held to the will of the voters, uh. are even more outrageous. Rob Portman of Oregon served as budget director for one of the Bushes, um, who has been masquerading as a conservative now that he's no longer uh, up for re-election. Portman of Ohio is now voting with the Democrats. And both of the senators from North Carolina, Tom Tillis and um, and uh, I'm sorry, the other one. Um, yeah, I can't think of it either. Yeah, anyway. They are both defecting as well. They're voting with the Democrats. So you have two or three, you have three or four Republicans that have become rhinos in their old age. Uh, mm. Now that they're not running again, uh, they're not going to vote with the party. They're not going to toe the party line. Richard Burr, B-U-R-R, is the other one from North Carolina. Uh-huh. Right, right. And uh, it's disgusting. It's disgraceful. And, uh, and it comes at a horrible time when the issue of raising the debt limit is before us. If these guys have their way, there will be no restraint on government spending throughout 23 and 24. None. You can do whatever the hell you like. The budget for 22 will carry over to 23 with all of that big spending. They have a majority in the Senate, and they'll be able to block any Republican filibuster. And our majority in the House will not be enough to control public policy. And this is a classic example. They used to say to me about the United States, we never lose a war or win a peace talk uh, because we gave away everything we won in the war, particularly after World War I. And now that can be said of the Republicans. They don't win an election. And when they do win an election, they lose it in the aftermath. And because of... uh, because of McConnell and because of the other rhinos and a gutless Republicans and perfidious Republicans, we're about to lose any strength, any restraint, or any check we could have on spending next year. And no way of regaining this? Uh, well, we can only regain it if we, uh, well, there's some hope that we can flip some of these people back, but I don't think so. If this is passed, uh. In the next three weeks, forget about it, because it will be set in place as a result of legislation. And to make the change, it, you need new legislation. And mm. the Democrats will block you in the Senate. They'll pass it in the oh, House. God. They'll block you in the Senate. In, four we- in three weeks, these Republicans will be retired. They'll be gone. They won't be a problem anymore. There will be no way of breaking a Republican filibuster and it'll take 60 votes for the Democrats to pass anything, and they won't be able to get it. But for the next three weeks, they can get 60 votes by getting Democrats plus the rhinos 
plus the retirees. And uh, this is just incredible. And the first thing they're going to do is pass laws stripping Congress of its capacity to control spending and pass a budget. Uh, and, and they're going to just make that the law. It's like they've repealed the House of Representatives. Who we got on the phone, Diego? On the phone, we got Arnold from Brooklyn. Hi, Arnold. How are you doing? Hello. Hi, Arnold. Oh, hi. Mr. Morris, you're close to President Trump, and you have his ear. I would suggest that he get the idea that even the captain of a great ocean liner, when he enters the port, turns over the control to the harbor, ma- to the harbor pilot, uh, control of his vessel. Uh, Mr. Trump is a, is, has my enthusiasm, and he's squandering people's enthusiasm with these side you know, cleanups in aisle five every two weeks. It's, it's ridiculous. If he's a serious candidate, then he de- we deserve his loyalty that he's actually going yeah, to make a serious run. Yeah, he is going to make a serious run, and he is going to win. Uh, but he's Donald Trump, you know? Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons people love him is he's not a politician. He says yeah, but that's he a good point. He says what everybody else is afraid to say. Uh, he tells it like it is. If he wants to have dinner with someone, he will. If he wants to issue a statement about something, he will. If he wants mm-hmm. to call Rosie O'Donnell too fat, he will. And, uh, <laughs> it's part of his uh, part of his charm. So you, you wouldn't ask Patton, right? Yeah, right. You don't want a kinder, gentler George Patton to fight Hitler. You want the kind of ruthless SOB he was. Yeah. Go ahead. Who else? Sandra. Diego, who else we got? Next, we got Sandra from New Jersey. Oh, hey, Sandra. How Hi, Sandra. Hey, good afternoon, Dick and Doug. Um, last night, I believe it was, you spoke about sabotage, and I guess you, you're basically saying that there's nothing we can do because I have a lot of friends who contributed a great deal to the party. <clears throat> they went to Trump's inauguration. These people are very discouraged. I mean, you know, they, they elect, they, they vote for people, they elect them, and then these people sabotage us. So that's very, yes. very sad. Yeah, it is. And uh, it just, uh, we just need to get better people. Um, let's remember that there are 45 Republicans uh, who have been loyal and faithful in the Senate, uh, but, uh, but they are no longer a majority because of the betrayal of the uh, of the retiring Republicans. Thanks for calling, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Can I say one other thing? Yeah. Hello? Oh, I yeah. wanted to say one other thing. Is it okay? I wanted to yes. say that God works, God works in mysterious ways because here is Elon Musk. He's showing all the things that Donald Trump yeah. was always saying. And, 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 and it's a very, very wonderful thing. Everything that Trump said in charge, including some of those tweets you're talking about, has been proven completely true. Right. Let's, let's take another call, uh, Diego. Next call is Andrew from Stanhook, New Jersey. Hey, Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Hey, what the uh, left and Jean Pierre Paul, what she does is a deception when they talk about the release of Grimes because they say, well, it was either – we want the Marine, but the only choice was either she gets released or not. But they don't talk about the the uh, merchant of death. Well, and I, Russian which TV is does. 
Russian TV did. Uh, it issued a statement. Uh, it was it was knocking Trump, knocking the government, and it said the United States wanted Griner and not the Marine, uh, because the Marine is heterosexual, male, and uh, not LGBTQ, and ah. um, and and white. And they were basically right. And uh, it's the first time I've agreed with Russian propaganda. Um, why don't let's do one other call. Last call is Tony from Clifton, New Jersey. Hey, Tony. Good morning. This is an honor. Um, I would love to be a political strategist in my next life. Um, And and this one we're up against a hard break. (laughs) You have a great job, and I I see Trump is amazing. Um, I see he's ahead of his time. Thomas Jefferson said we needed a living constitution. We need to get our three-tier system of government back in line and living because our our country is changing so much. So I think there's a lot to be done, Dick, and I think, you know, you give Mr. Trump good counsel. I'm going to be emailing you, you, you know, and I hope we could communicate that way because I think it's a very exciting time. Thank you for calling in. So what we've talked about here is that you can't blame Trump for Georgia. It was abortion. Uh, the other defeats in 22 were because of early voting. We didn't do it. Uh, the 401ks are in jeopardy under, under Biden, and we have to take action to make sure that they don't replace right of return with social concerns and how they invest your money. Thank you, Dick Morris. It's an honor. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.